You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today, it is December 14th, 2021, and we've got a couple signings to talk about. Even though it is the dead period technically right now for baseball, there were some signings the Nationals made over the weekend. We'll have some thoughts on Michael Franco and on D-Strain Jordan uh, joining the Nationals on minor league contracts. We'll also look at some of the latest news around the league that coming up on today's show. All right, let's get into it here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Once again, uh, December 14th, 2021, and things slowing down just a touch for most teams. You know, the Mets are trying to find a manager, as are the Oakland Athletics. But besides that, dead period. We did have the Rule 5 draft, which was interesting, but here today to talk about a couple signings the Washington Nationals made. Uh, So the rules are right now you cannot sign players to major league contracts, but you are allowed to sign players to minor league contracts, and that is what the Nationals did. They signed two players to minor league contracts, both of them actually familiar to many people in the National League East. First one, D. Strange Gordon, a utility infielder, and also outfielder was signed by the Nationals this past weekend. And also, they signed Michael Franco as well, the third baseman who most Nationals fans will remember from his time with Philadelphia. So those two signings were made both on minor league contracts. And so people might be thinking, well, You know, there's a couple ways to look at this, but I've been doing some reading from guys like Mark Zuckerman and also from our friend Matt Wyrick and NBC Sports Washington. And I think, you know, there is, I mean, there are two schools of thought here. One, just kind of filling up guys in the roster. Or are they bringing these guys in to compete? And that is, that was a question that was asked when they brought in Cesar Hernandez. Are they bringing him in? to compete for the Nationals' starting second base job? To me, the answer was yes. I I thought they brought in a guy for $4 million, which doesn't seem like a lot, but at this point in time, it is for a team that's trying to limit their spending just for a one-year deal, but they're going to bring him in to try and compete and get some playing time. And when you go and you sign to guys like Gordon and, uh, you know, you sign a guy like Franco, like, I don't think the expectation is to use those guys to fill out your farm system, right? Or just to, to have a cup of coffee. Uh, I think you sign those guys with the intention of having them kind of uplift your, your younger players. You're, you're, you know, you try to have those guys really compete. And we'll get into that in one second here. Quick word from our sponsors, though. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Fantrax, new uh, sponsor here. Uh, Nationals fans, it's already been an interesting offseason. It won't be long before pitchers and catchers report. I'm going to give you guys the inside track on the absolute best fantasy baseball platform in the industry. It's Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. 
Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league. Invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. It's also the top dynasty fantasy baseball platform in the industry. Go deep with the ultimate keeper and dynasty league. Create a simple redraft league or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. Isn't that unbelievable? 2,000 teams. Uh, you can right now check that out. Fa- uh, Fantrax, once again, fantrax.com slash Locked on is where you go. Use the promo code Tatis today. Use that promo code once again, Tatis, and you'll be able to get a uh, potentially a Fernando Tatis uh, signed baseball when you go to Fantrax today. Once again, Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports, play ball. Also, today's show is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Go to directtv.com. And you guys can find the ways you can get rid of all the clutter in your life right now. You've got, obviously, multiple screens, a phone, a laptop, a computer, a TV, all going on different things at once. Get rid of that right now. Go to directtv.com. You guys can get your TV together there. There is no yearly subscription, so it's easy to cancel whenever you guys want. It's more flexible there. And you guys can learn more. Once again, at directtv.com, compatible device is required and content varies by package. So once again, let's talk about this. Is there going to be a competition here? And so I went into the offseason thinking this way. All right, here's your infield right. Or let's go left to right. Carter Keeboom at third base. They re-signed Alcides Escobar pretty fast. So Escobar at short. Second, Luis Garcia felt like he was going to be the guy just the way the depth went. And then at first base, you're going to think Josh Bell we think, we think, we think at this point in time, it is going to be uh, Ryan Zimmerman who's going to come and give them uh, maybe that second guy at first base. If not, Riley Adams might be the solution there. Or even if Ryan Zimmerman comes back, maybe we do see Riley Adams get some reps. He and Zim can split the DH slash, uh, you know, DH um, slash first base role, right? Maybe they can kind of bounce back and forth between those two positions. So that's what we thought. Then you bring in a guy like Cesar Hernandez. He is 31 years old. He is a veteran player. And that is somebody that you bring in, in my opinion, you bring a guy like Cesar Hernandez in to compete for the job. I mean, it's somebody who is a career 270 hitter to this point in time, did struggle some last year, did not play as well, hit 232 on the season, 308 on base, 89 OPS plus, uh, so you know, not staggering numbers, but a guy who's a career 270 hitter, right? Career 345 on base. You know, he's got 335 career runs driven in. Somebody who's been in the major leagues since he was 23 years old and since 2013 as well. Um, that's who you're bringing in there. And I think it's decent competition for uh, Luis Garcia. And also, if Cesar Hernandez doesn't win the job outright, he's obviously got some security. He'll be a guy who bounces around just a little bit for them. Uh, somebody who's predominantly a second baseman, but we'll see if they use him, you know, whatever happens. Third base, shortstop, he has played both of those positions uh, a decent number, you know, a decent amount of games. Most of his career, though, at second base. He has spent 896 games at second base in his career, uh, 24 games he has played, or at least you know, 24 games started um, at at, uh, at third base. Uh, and then he's also played a little bit of shortstop as well, center field, uh, and played some outfield too. But mostly a guy we think is going to be a second baseman will provide them some depth. Maybe not, you know, they'll, they'll obviously use him 
a decent amount, right? That's the thinking there with Luis Garcia. And Luis Garcia, to me, performance-wise, I mean, he's just, you know, he's 21 years old last year. He's going to be 22 next season. Um, you know, in 110 games played, he's hitting 254, 285 on base. You know, we talked about how he's not really a guy who walks a whole lot. It's got to be better. 395 slugging percentage, 680 OPS, and 84 OPS plus. So that is that is where you look right there at those two players and you say, well, you know, is there much of a drop-off there? Um, Garcia with how young he is and how much they like him, that's a guy that's, you know, um, I think is going to get the nod there just because his performances have been pretty solid. Also, his youth kind of dictates, look, this is a, this is a player that we have, but also things don't go well for him in spring training. You're not totally over, you know, over the top concerned and worried about it. Um, and cause you know, he's just, he's so young and really hasn't played that much in the time he has played. He has not been this incredibly awful player, decent hitter, not, uh, the play discipline needs to come along, right? That's something that we know is very true. They got to bring that play discipline along. Um, so for his sake, you know, when I think about this kind of tying it back to the signings of D Gordon and also Michael Franco, I believe him to be safe because when I look at what we've seen produced from D Gordon, you know, this does not feel like somebody is going to push him at second base. Um, I don't know if this guy even's on the opening day roster, to be honest with you guys. You know, he's not played in the big leagues uh, since 2020, did not play this season. Um, you know, the Nats have Escobar at shortstop. It's a guy who could swipe some bags for you, has great speed. But this one feels like a guy who is a bit over the hill, not somebody who is near the level that he used to be. And so at 33 years old, he's a vet, but I think he's just somebody to be around more in the in the in the offseason. Now, look, he could have a resurgence. He's just 33. It's not like he's crazy old, right? You know, but he's he's been around. This will be his 10th year in the major leagues this season playing. Um, and so this is a guy with a, a ton of experience, a career, three uh 286 hitter, uh with a 319 on base, you know, somebody that has stolen uh 333 bags in his career. So does have that to to kind of boast about, but he's cheap. He's on a minor league deal. You expect the professionalism. He's going to come in there and give you to start off the season. So that is something that the guys can learn from and also somebody that they can compete with as well. Not, uh, you know, I don't think he's getting the, the lion's share of the reps at first base to start off, but that is somebody that is going to be an interesting guy they can slide around and, and see what he can bring them. The other guy, Michael Franco, to me, is the one where – I believe he is the kind of player that can push a Carter Keyboom. Um, Michael Franco is actually a player I thought the Nationals should have considered bringing in last year to kind of be a backup, um, you know, in, in, in that kind of way. But, you know, they get him this year for even cheaper than they would have gotten him last year. And his big knock is that he has been an inconsistent player during his career, but he is somebody who's 29 years old. He will turn 30 during next year during the season. Somebody that, you know, you look at his numbers, it's like every other year he has a really nice season. Uh, 2014, when he first came out, didn't play a whole lot, but in 80 games in 2015, he hit 280, the 343 on base and a 130 OPS plus. Then a bit down in 2016, still at 255 and uh, down 2017, hitting 230 only, but back up in 2018 in 131 games, he hit 270 with a 314 on base, 22 home runs. And he had a stretch where he had three straight years of at least 20 home runs, 25, 24, 22, 
in 16, 17, and 18. Then a down year in 19, found his way to Kansas City in 20, where he hit 278 in 60 games, the 321 on base, and hit eight home runs, drove in 38 runs in the 60 games that he played in. Then back in 2021 was with Baltimore. I don't think he finished the season there. Had a two, hit 210. He had a really rough year last year, but still did hit 11 home runs, drove in 47. So this is a guy that's a low kind of leverage situation here for the Nationals. Bring him in. Feels like he could make a difference. You know, I would not be shocked if he's out there playing because if you look at Carter Keyboom's numbers, you know, he's played only a total of 106 games, so it's not really fair to judge him at this point in time. But out of 106, it's actually weird. Uh, we've seen Luis Garcia play more games in two years than Carter Keyboom has played in three years, but it feels like Carter's been around much longer. But he's hitting 197 with a 304 on base, a 285 slugging, and a 63 OPS plus. This is not somebody that's been super productive for the Nationals, and now it is time to earn his stripes. I think Franco is a very cheap, affordable way to push Carter Keeboom. I think Michael Franco, because there's nowhere else he can go, there's another position that you're going to play Michael Franco at. I believe he is there exclusively to push Carter Keeboom. They want to create some competition there. It is time for Carter Keeboom to earn his keep. Just because the Nationals are going to be bad next year does not mean Carter Keeboom just automatically gets handed that third base position. That seems to be the consensus going around. They don't just want to give it to him and can't. While he might have the inside track right now, they're giving a guy who's hit for some power, who's had some success, who's played in Nats Park before, right? This is a guy in Michael Franco who has played a lot of games um, in in Nationals Park. So this is somebody that they're going to bring in there, and he's going to have, I, I think, you know, despite the price, how cheap he is and getting on a minor league deal, I legitimately, legitimately believe he's going to have a chance to compete for the starting job. And that might upset some Nationals fans, uh, you know, at, at times, sure, whatever. Um, but I think this is uh, a good situation for Carter Keeboom. I believe it's going to make him uh, more competitive. And look, for uh, Michael Franco, he's played 40 games in Nats Park, 147 plate appearances. He's hit 286, the 347 on base, uh, an 866 OPS. He's got in the career, once again, his career at Nats Park, eight home runs, 20 runs driven in as well. He's had a lot of success in this ballpark. Um, so, you know, you're thinking, hey, this is a guy you know who's, who's played in a lot of these parks. He's had success, obviously very familiar with Citizens Bank, familiar enough with City Field too. So somebody who's got a lot of familiarity with the division. And then also, I believe on the defensive side of things, look at some of those numbers, they're pretty even. So th this feels like it's going to be a battle in camp. Now, Carter Keeboom is the guy they want because he is one of their, you know, he's a guy that they've invested a lot of capital into, obviously, on the draft side of things. But 24 years old, this is going to be his fourth season of getting major league experience. Hopefully it's his first full season, season, you know, uh, together here that he's going to have. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the test. This is going to be the test right here for Carter Keeboom. Can you beat out of Michael Franco? Can you keep a guy like him behind you? Because I think there's a chance that Michael Franco maybe just makes the roster also to provide them some flexibility in the event that Carter Keeboom does not play well. Can you hold those things together? You know, can Carter Keeboom take the next step? I, I, I like, I'm not sure I love the D Gordon thing, but I really do like the Franco thing as a way to challenge a guy like a Carter Keeboom. All right, that will do it for this part of the show. I will uh, take a quick break here and then. 
we will talk about some other news happening around the major leagues right now. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Stance. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because of everything you wear, uh, it should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself, register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use that promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on at checkout. Once again, locked on the promo code for 15% off. Enjoy the color and comfort of life less ordinary with stance. All right, let's keep it moving here on the locked on nationals podcast. So things, you know, not going too fast uh, right now in the old major league baseball, but it feels like we are coming to potentially some news here in the future regarding the New York Mets. They're beginning their second round of managerial interviews with their three finalists. So it looks like the Mets are now down to three candidates. And a couple of them, well, we'll be uh, pretty familiar with, well, at least one everybody's pretty familiar with. Uh, Buck Showalter, obviously former Orioles manager, uh, shown on Masson all the time because the Nationals' relationship with uh, with Masson, Joe Espada, and also Matt Quattraro, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, Quattraro, are the three candidates that uh, are in the second round of interviews. This was reported today by Mike Puma of the New York Post. Those three are going to be the options for the Mets here as they move forward. And I feel like a lot of Mets fans want to see them close in on, on, I think, Buck Showalter. It's kind of that proven commodity. I think a lot of them want to see them go with a proven manager, a guy who's had success both the regular season, has gotten teams to postseason. I think they just want somebody to be a leader to get this group of players, uh, you know, to the to, to the promised land of you, to the playoffs at least right now. I, I think that's where they want to go moving forward uh, with, with that team. I think that's just my feeling. Maybe they go for one of those guys who I believe are both bench coaches. Um, you know, that's that's one possibility. But I, I think mostly to me, um, that is where I see that heading is, is the Mets uh, going with Buck Showalter and making him, um, making him their next manager. There's really not a whole lot happening on the front between um, the players and the players association and the league. There's not a whole lot of rumors around in that category. So, you know, as we grow, it's day, day 12 right now. Um, I think people feel like, okay, we're starting to hit that point where, you know, where the days are getting longer, we're getting the double digits. Uh, what are we, what are we seeing right now from the league, from the players? It, you know, are we going to get to February here and be fine? Because I feel like we can get through the holidays. Okay. Everything's good. All right. We're new year's. Well, we're now getting closer to about a month until things, uh, you know, get going pitchers and catchers reporting. So, you know, the, the, as, as things slowly keep crawling towards, uh, you know, the new year, that's what I think a lot of the nerves for fans will begin to kick up, right? You really think that, uh, okay, all right, you know, could, could things be off here? And I've mentioned it a bunch. 
for injury purposes, for players, these creatures of habits that we know, creatures of habit, uh, rather, that we know as baseball players, it is very important, it's paramount, if you will, that they start on time. And uh, I think as time goes along, those worries, you know, continue. I don't have a lot of faith in these two sides, but people who cover this business tell me that I should. They think these two uh, groups will get together and form some kind of a deal. I'm hopeful of that because I do not want any more work stoppages. I want my sports. I want them back on time. I'm sure all of you do as well. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at LO underscore nationals is a show. You can find me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.